You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. But actually, a lot of things I was doing and a lot of things the wellness industry offers is a massive distraction from sitting with yourself and thinking about feelings because, you know, we have a we have a negative bias in our brains. We we will avoid things that are difficult or might upset us or hurt us that's how our brain works it's protecting us it's keeping us safe so we are keeping ourselves safe by just not thinking about it by doing all this stuff that will distract us from it which is really fun and great and probably keeps us physically well but actually the hardest thing and the wellness industry you know it's not it's and it's probably the best thing for you is to take that time to calm your nerves nervous system down to look at your immune system to do some form of meditation or quietness or find the thing that brings that to you and then you start to think of the feelings and that's really uncomfortable I think you're listening to the alonement podcast hosted by me Francesca Spector author of Alonement, How to Be Alone, and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. On the show this week, I have Lorraine Candy, one of the most established names in the UK's magazine industry. Given my background in magazine journalism, I'm pretty bloody excited to speak to her. After leaving home aged 17, Lorraine was writing for national newspapers by the age of 21. She went on, after this very impressive beginning, to become editor-in-chief at Cosmopolitan magazine. This was followed by a 12-year stint as the editor of Elle, followed by becoming editor at the Sunday Times Style magazine. She is also a fellow podcast host. She heads up the Postcards from Midlife podcast, which she does in collaboration with her co-host, fellow magazine editor Trish Halpern. Last year, she left the Sunday Times to write her first book, Mum, What's Wrong With You? 101 Things Only Mothers of Teenage Girls Know. I found this conversation incredibly refreshing. Lorraine is someone who, as she tells me, has always thrived being part of or heading up a team. But she also has this remarkable ability to be alone in her head by the sounds of things. And I think that anyone listening who, like me, has a tendency to people please could be inspired by Lorraine's philosophy that 
trying to get other people to like you is actually a bit of a waste of time. We also have a chat about her love of cold water swimming, which for Lorraine at this time in her life is her purest form of absolute blissful alonement. It was such an honour to get to know Lorraine during this conversation, and I can't wait for you guys to hear her wisdom as well. We're recording first thing in the morning, but not quite first thing for you because you've just come back from a swim. Was that a cold water swim or was that how how was that? <laughs> it was, yeah. I was in the sea this morning in Cornwall, um, where I'm from at about seven. Um, we've been very lucky. The bay in front of our house is a surf bay, but there's just no surf. <laughs> so um it's been full of swimmers. So I was down having really lovely swim, sun's out. Um it's really beautiful actually. Um it's very peaceful. It sort of sets you up for the day, I think. Yes, I can imagine. And uh, I should share, I'm actually very envious of you because I can't quite, I can swim, but not with any degree of aptitude. And so this whole pandemic swimming thing, this huge, huge trend and renewed interest in swimming um, is really, is really something that is making me reconsider adult swimming lessons and oh, you know yeah. I also <laughs> yeah I think I think this this needs yeah. to be a thing I didn't and I learn th- to swim till I was 45 I did really? well, front crawl yeah no I was I mean it was okay in the water and I loved being in the sea and I grew up near the sea but um I didn't learn front crawl proper swimming lessons yeah I mean it does change it allows you to spend longer in the water you can go further you can go deeper so it, does, it just gives you a sort of new skill but I mean there is nothing wrong a lot of the open water swimmers I swim with are head above the water woolly hat on in the winter so it's you know swimming is just being in the sea and or the lake or the pool and with with nature really for me Mm. yeah and I think also a lot of people when I speak to them about their alone time they reference swimming because I think the really nice thing about swimming is there's an inherent digital detox element to it as well well I think the thing particularly about outdoor swimming is you can be completely on your own and I find it really meditative because it's a very repetitive um, process and it's you know you 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 can't really no one can speak to you no one can talk to you and you can really once you're in the groove just set your mind to thinking about things it's a place I kind of unravel a lot of stuff I'm not very good at sitting down and meditating I found that very difficult however you do it I mean I know you it's just silence really but um I find swimming is where I go and think and where I kind of write in my head it's a very you know it came very late in life for me because I love being around people I hate being on my own (laughs) really hate it you know I have four children I run busy teams on magazines um as a journalist I traveled the world I was in lots of places with lots of people all of the time and then when I got to about 45 I just needed some space and actually swimming gave me that space I recommend it to everyone because you don't have to be a brilliant swimmer you can you really do find a way of getting away no one can contact you you know especially when you're in the sea you really are it's just you and nature and you've only got yourself really to rely on on some of the competitive swims I've done you know and you've been out quite deep and 
it's been a bit scary, but it's been a real mindset. And actually a, a really amazing woman taught me to some swimming lessons last year and she was a yoga teacher and she was a free diver. And she really taught me how to reset my mind on my own, how to be calm, how to be, to not feel fear and to trust yourself. And that really, I mean, it's such a gift. I can't speak about it enough swimming, hmm. <laughs> outdoor swimming. And it does seem to give you lots of different things because even I was listening to you on Viv, Groskup's podcast how to own the room and you were saying there's that idea that once you've done a cold water swim first thing you sort of conquer something big and scary and you can take that into the rest of your day yes I mean I've swum uh, I swim at Shepparton Lake in Surrey and sometimes we've been you know I don't usually wear a wetsuit we've been down to sort of five or six degrees and we don't stay in long at that point um, at the Lido in Parliament Hill as well and it just you just sort of think I've dealt with something you know we keep it safe we always do it as a group but I've dealt with something quite early on in my day that was a bit scary so I can really go into that meeting or I can make that presentation or I can do it because I've got some capability in my head it's a sort I guess it's a cognitive thing as well I think it sets the neural pathways where you feel like you've achieved something major in your mind um you know I mean, I'm not saving lives or anything like that but it does give you a sort of sense of having done something and that makes you feel confident I think and that you can take that forward through the day it's a, a lot of uh, swimmers tell me this it really brings them something and I've done a did a really big swim across Lake Geneva which is a 70k um swim I did it in a relay with six of us we were we did it very slowly we kind of amateur swimmers really but once we'd done that and all the training for that really everything else is kind of a little bit most sort of recreation athletes will say this though I think that you everything else you can sort of deal with because you physically dealt with something else and you've overcome something you're quite scared of I was really frightened of being out in deep sea um, and I feel like in the last sort of five years I've overcome that and I feel it's quite an amazing that it's such a phenomenal experience to be out in deep sea as well so you know, it just it really resets you. I think it's a really great thing to find, particularly in midlife. Yeah, I think it actually reminds me strangely of that sort of Alice in Wonderland quote. And I can't, can never quite remember it, but it's about doing maybe 11 impossible things before breakfast, which, uh, yeah, I think any any form of exercise first thing, I suppose, <laughs> seems to be, seems to qualify. I think if you have, a big family to look after and, and you're go, you've got a lot on in the day really your good time is is before everyone else is doing you know if your your alone time is really before everyone else is up um and I'm lucky I'm, I'm happy to get up pretty early when I was writing the book I was getting up at 5 a.m to you know because once people are up in our house you know there's four of them and three of them are teenagers so there'll be other teenagers it's really hard to find any moment any space any peace alone and I think getting up early to do it a you get it done at the beginning of the day and b it sets your mind in a positive way and c it's, it really is the only time I get <laughs> to be alone is before everyone else gets up which you know is really you know it's really nice I really treasure those moments I've done some amazing sunrise swims or you know I do I will jog with a group of friends of mine I mean, we don't really run we jog and we go we jog to watch the sunrise somewhere so we'll get up and start in the dark and find the sunrise and then I just feel like it just makes your day a bit sort of flows a bit easier and also there's a really lot of really good research around where your energy is once you recognize as you get older where your best energy is then you should probably do your things that you really want to be amazing during that time a lot of friends of mine have 
great energy late at night or they're right from sort of 10 o'clock onwards or, or early in the afternoon. But my energy works best very early in the morning before about eight o'clock. So I, I try to do things that I love um, or I want to be done well around that time. I think that's so powerful. And I think that that almost is one of the best uses for alone time, not not just practicing, but also I suppose identifying and noticing because I, otherwise I, sometimes I think we don't really take enough time to actually sit back and think how do I work best not you know how does you know the trendy yeah. you know, zeitgeisty sort of wellness movement yeah. tell me that I should be doing this or this it's actually I like that idea of kind of looking inwards to your energy levels. I think when you get older you begin to learn and actually I've learned this a little bit through yoga which I only took up a couple of years ago is that really listening to your body I was very you know I was a big exerciser before then lots of hit lots of running I I did boxing for a year I did a lot of things that I just thought oh these are great this is amazing but actually as you get older you take a step back and you begin to listen to your body and and really see what affects it and what doesn't affect it and your mind and what makes you happy and what doesn't make you happy I mean I can say if I don't swim for a week I go properly mad it's not it's really if I'm not in that water outside at some point during a seven day period I find it really hard to grapple with my head what's going on in my head so I think you know you learn that as you get older and it feels when you're younger I think like you it probably feels a little self-indulgent to say do you know what that's between you know between one and four I'm not at my best (laughs) so you know and I am not at my best after 10 o'clock I never have been a late night person so anyone wanting me to do anything after 10 o'clock that's simply time zones really hard Mm. so but you get the confidence to say you know I can do it but can we do it in the morning because it'd be really good if I do it in the morning or it'd be really awful if you make me do it after half past 10 so you learn to listen to yourself and then you learn with confidence to say to other people it works better for me if we do it this way and then everybody I think benefits in the end but it can feel self-indulgent it's, and you've got to kind of get over that a bit I think yeah I mean I suppose it's that it's that idea of you know is self-care selfish because ultimately yeah. if you're best in the morning then that's the best time to do work or to you know to do whatever it is that you're best at doing in the morning I do think you then bring the best of yourself to the day I suppose the you know the issue is for instance you were editor of Elle magazine for so many years in 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 for instance an office scenario I think we're seeing probably post 18 months of work from home it's it's difficult to get that line of best fit for everyone it's almost difficult to serve everyone's needs in that regards I think it is we had a very unique arrangement in my last three years we worked on our hot desk so um so that we could work across the digital and the print because I felt you know that would be a modern way to be this was about six years ago seven years ago now this is not something that suits the whole team many people don't want to be on a hot desk or you know so we worked very hard with experts and actually kind of career mentors on how to encourage people who found that difficult you know to work on a hot desk so some people couldn't do it in the morning it just wasn't they weren't going to be in on you know they, they liked to be on their own desk and their own settled that you know in that place and they'd like to come in as so, so we I was very flexible with the team on how they wanted that hot I wasn't flexible on it, whether they did it or not they all had to do it on how they wanted that hot desk to work for them for the way they worked and actually I think that's beginning to come in now there's a lot of thinking around neurodiversity among teams 
when I mean I've worked in creative industry so I edited Cosmo I edited Elle for 12 years I was editor of Sunday Times Style so these are quite creative people they don't necessarily fit into the box of nine to five and they might work in a really different way and it might be because their brains work in a slightly different way and I think we've long ignored that and just assumed everybody has to work in exactly the same way some people just focus or concentrate in a totally different way I know that from having four children some you know one of them doesn't work in the same way as as the other one and I have to look at how her brain works and consider it in you know reference to how her other sister's brain work I mean the brains work in really different ways and I think we're beginning to recognize that I'm really hoping that offices will change because there are a lot of people who need a bit more support from a neurodiversity point of view in the office. And I think you you get the best out of people if you can give them that support. You know, there are people that just don't interact socially in the same way that other people do. And we would discount that or or see that as something wrong before. And I think now we're beginning to think, why is that? Why is that person uncomfortable working in this way? Why is that person, she, she or he may not be an introvert, it just be maybe how their brain works. So I need to work alongside them. Um, on that I'm hoping we're getting a bit more understanding but I certainly noticed it and I can notice it in retrospect now I understand it a bit more in the creative industry Um, but Mm. people what you know people's energy levels are all different spaces in the day and I think trying to be curious about them and focus around what's going on in their lives as well helps you can't always because the business always has to deliver that's kind of the main thing yeah yeah and of course there is that fine balance Um, but for you I know that you mentioned yoga earlier about this sort of sense of awareness and curiosity what do you think is the relationship between spending time physically alone in being able to learn those things about yourself because of course you're you know you're speaking as someone who I'm sure was a very brilliant boss for you know among many different teams um but it's not it's not all on you it's not all on the person in charge we are all physically we are all alone in our own heads. So how how can alone time, do you think, from, from your experience, from someone who's thought about this a lot on a personal level, filter into being able to gain that sense of awareness that you can then bring to your boss, to your partner, to your family and give them that information to help you? I think, you know, it's a very good, alonement is a very good concept you've identified because I think once people identify what they need, and how it can make them feel better during the day or with their family or their work colleagues, then it's easier for everybody. But you do really do need to be able to sit with yourself, which I mean, I was poo-pooed yoga for years. I just thought it was ridiculous rolling around bendy legging people in lululemon leggings just such a wellness trend that just you know everyone had grabbed and there were so many different versions it just didn't feel like I would get anything from it but I met an amazing teacher and I really learned it's just it isn't a physical thing it's really about calming the mind and slowing everything down I was a very manic person because I worked so hard and I wanted to get I loved being like that but actually you get to a point where I think it's really unhealthy physically and mentally to be like that and I recognise that uh, in my 40s, which, you know, I wish I'd recognised it slightly earlier. And I would urge everyone to think about spending some time doing something that just settles you where you're in your own head, very quietly watching and feeling what's going on. Or you're curious about how your body feels about certain things and, and you're constantly reevaluating how does this make me feel and noticing it and even writing it down. So once you've done the bit of that, then I think you interact 
better in groups <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you are happier during the day if you've taken it's it's like putting petrol in the tank I think and if you'd said to me six seven years ago you'll be um you know doing yoga and sitting quiet you know and it'll be the kind of meditative yoga not the kind of stretchy bendy yoga um I would have said don't be ridiculous I can't sit down for five minutes but actually once you start sitting down for five minutes it becomes easier and you do feel you just every um we do a podcast called postcards from midlife and we've had every I would say every famous woman over 40 British woman over 40 on it and every single one without fail has done yoga have found yoga and that's I think it calms the vagus nerve down which sends all the messages to the rest of your system there's so much science behind it. I did a lot of research into it before I kind of grappled with it so I think something like that or an or a exercise or some kind of activity that really slows you down allows you to be with yourself and then you can notice how other people are and how you interact I mean I I used it a little bit at work when I was on a newspaper it's a very fast-paced environment to work out how I just you know I there was people that I the energy was wrong for me to interact with them and it was better I'd learned from being alone to myself that probably I was best to keep out of their orbit <laughs> whereas previously I'd have gone in and been quite confrontational I think about things whereas I learned that you know what that's not a place where I will work really well because I know how I'm going to react to that I've thought it through in my head quietly during my kind of untangling my the knitting bag of knots in your head I was, I've untangled a lot by quietly doing things like yoga hmm. I like that idea of untangling I think it's an image which really does seem to resonate I don't know I I imagine whenever my brain feels too frantic I do get that vision of a tangle of wires particularly so (laughs) the image actually rings quite true it's interesting that you mention wellness culture in the context of yoga and how initially you didn't necessarily get on with it that well and you know I I certainly I can share that something that I've learned over the last 18 months is that actually as you know and I used to be uh, a few years ago is sort of mainly a journalist in the health and wellness and fitness space and go to a lot of these classes and I'm sure that you know you had invitations every day to go I've, to this I've been to everything <laughs> I've tried everything so, and, and, but do you think do you think it's even traveling even tra- I mean even traveling which which may for some people I'm sure you know I'm sure there's yeah. at least one person listening to this who's thinking that is the answer that's everything but possibly not everyone just because it's in vogue at some point and I think I, I don't know do you think there's something about the almost the sort of uh, commodification or that you know the, the pace and the glamour of wellness which almost distracts from that sense of slowness that you can get from it and that those benefits I think there's something deeper actually um you know I'm 53 now so I've thought a lot about this I think it's about and I think it's about us really it's about distracting yourself from the feelings so you know you can go and do hardcore yoga in a tent sauna hot yoga all of that and say well I've done my yoga I've done my thinking but you haven't you've just you know and I did it a lot myself I did 
boxing for a while, which I really loved, but it's a really tough thing to do. And when someone hits you, it's really it's such a giant shock. I can't tell you what enormous shock it is. But actually, I, a lot of things I was doing and a lot of things the wellness industry offers is a massive distraction from sitting with yourself and thinking about feelings because, you know, we have a, we have a negative bias in our brains. We, we will avoid things that are difficult or might upset us or hurt us that's how our brain works it's protecting us it's keeping us safe so we are keeping ourselves safe by just not thinking about it by doing all this stuff that will distract us from it which is really fun and great and probably keeps us physically well but actually the hardest thing and the wellness industry you know it's not it's and it's probably the best thing for you is to take that time to calm your nerves nervous system down to look at your immune system to do some form of meditation or quietness or find the thing that brings that to you and then you start to think of the feelings and that's really uncomfortable I think sometimes it's a it's particularly uncomfortable in midlife when you're looking back and you're past halfway and you're thinking about all these things and time running out so you do just I think the wellness industry is just a magnificent distraction from feeling all the feelings and um if we could realize that we might pick off the bits that are helpful for us <laughs> but you know at some point you will have to feel those feelings that's just the way it is yeah it's very inconvenient and it is that painful <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it really I don't think anyone ever stresses how difficult it is um, yeah some people have to have therapy and all sorts of things to feel oh, the feelings so. but you know it's kind of it's like when you're in your teenage years you know and I and I came across this a lot when I was interviewing experts for the book the kids finding resilience they can distract themselves with all sorts of things to avoid feeling these giant feelings that you get through your teenage years that's just how it is and actually the more you let them feel the feelings the less you rescue them from the feelings the more resilient they are as they grow up and they'll grow up knowing they can feel those feelings at the same time rather than kind of I think my generation Gen X packaged it all away (laughs) and only now are we kind of unpicking it (laughs) which is a bit painful. So why was that something that you mentioned earlier it was around the age of 45 when you started discovering that sense of you know take going going swimming and the benefits of that what was it that happened at that age that made you more interested well in it that. was it was perimenopause which I now only know in um, retrospect so um, when you get to the age of 40 you begin to uh, lose the female hormones in your body estrogen testosterone progesterone you you lose those hormones gradually as you head towards menopause menopause happens about I think it's 51 is the average age in this country and menopause is the year after your last period so but perimenopause peri means around is leading up to that when your hormones are in this giant um, roller coaster fluctuation and estrogen is in your brain it's there's receptors all over your body so it's literally the petrol that keeps you going so as as it disappears or fluctuates floods in floods out rather like the teenage years a little bit, Um, all sorts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Things happen. So you get, there's something like 40 to 50 symptoms of perimenopause, and it can be tinnitus, hot flushes, night sweats, insomnia, but anxiety and depression are part of it as well because it affects the brain. It disappears from the brain. So that part of the brain doesn't function properly anymore. So when I was 45, I had a panic attack, which I had never I just wasn't that person. Um, I know a lot of people have suffered throughout their years with it. But for me, it was just, I just was kind of, I felt I had a steel trap mind. I, it was, I was solid mentally. It just, it, I didn't think overthink things and I just got on with things. You know, the next 15 minutes was about as far ahead as I looked. And I was very, I felt very capable because, you know, I left home at 16. I'd been on my own. I'd worked very hard coped with four children but this I had a panic attack on my way to work and I just couldn't understand so for me it felt physical as if something physical had happened um and I went to two doctors and they they both said we don't know what this is we'll give you antidepressants and I said I just don't think that will work for me it may for somebody it wasn't and as I began to do the research and actually set up the podcast postcards from midlife with Trish Halpin who edited Marie Claire because she was going through exactly the same thing we discovered it was due to the perimenopause you know and as soon as I went on HRT all my anxiety stopped but in that period of a year of sorting it out I found swimming and I found that the next day or for three days afterwards I felt amazing that the fear the anxiousness the tangle in my head was calmed and soothed a bit by the the swimming so but you know HRT is a preventative medicine as well so I'm really glad I was able to take it because it stops you getting osteoporosis, it reduces your risk of heart disease, and it's thought to reduce the risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. So I set myself on a path which is protecting my future. And I just think, you know, we didn't know as women, and bear in mind, between us, we had edited the all the big monthlies, and we didn't know as women what we were going through. So we started the podcast to get that knowledge out there. So if you are a woman in your 40s and you think you're going mad... <laughs> It could well be a physical reaction to losing your hormones and you can only really replace them by putting actual hormones um, back in again. So, yeah, it was a really it was a real turning point in in my life. My youngest child was uh, three because I had her when I was uh, 43. So um, and my oldest child was 13. So I was heading into the teens with a toddler 
while going through perimenopause while running a multi-million pound magazine and I you know something gave which is what I mean about thinking about alone time and calming yourself down and, and physically making your body feel better and knowing what your body's about I, I wish I'd known that at 45 because I could have saved myself hours of racing around <laughs> yes I, I think it's uh, a few things to say from that you know I think to begin with it, it says there's there's almost something quite strange and, and and quite worrying about the fact that you know pre you know pre you setting up postcards from midlife with Trish and pre I think there there has been a greater awareness in the past few years around terms yeah. like perimenopause but for something affecting so many women um and you know and and all happening yeah. at the same stage of life for yeah. it to have that lack of awareness around it and I, I also think it's very interesting the way that you talk about it you say you know it's it, it is hormones it's not I think it, even in um in another podcast you did with the one I re- referenced earlier with Viv Groskup you you said you know I had mild depression but it wasn't depression it was hormones and do you think that it it is useful and do you think it's do you think there's a necessity to almost make that distinction in at a time when we're talking a lot about mental yeah. health? I think um, the mental health of women in midlife is really important because they are at that point carers, um, both for their parents and for their children. And also it's the biggest growing demographic in the workplace now, uh, women over 40. So we want to stay in our jobs. We don't want to drop out because we feel like we're going mad or we can't cope or we're overwhelmed. Um, the medical profession doesn't understand. Um, there was a very flawed survey 20 years ago about HRT, which was a survey on women over 60 on a form of HRT no longer prescribed. And it uh, said there was a risk of breast cancer, which we now know is not true, um, that those uh, particular drugs are not prescribed anymore. And the risk now of taking HRT is about the same as drinking two glasses of wine a night. So lifestyle presents as, as bigger or obesity is the biggest risk um, of breast cancer in this country. So we have a lot more choice, but we're not really being told it. It's not right for everybody, HRT, um, but it is right for many, many women. Um, and two thirds of women said last year that they were prescribed offered antidepressants instead of HRT when they talked about menopausal symptoms. So we do have to educate the medical profession, but that really is happening now. Um, but we, we have mental health as you get older is really, really important because it affects so many people. You're in the middle, probably, of a family. You're in the middle of a big job, usually, in your 50s. So, it, you know, to try and support women who are wondering what's happening, and that it is a very physiological effect. For some women, antidepressants will be right. They will be really, really helpful. But, you know, when we looked back on the history of it, so, you know, the, the peak time for women to commit suicide is late 40s, early 50s. Now, that's not a coincidence by any stretch of the imagination. I'm hoping that will change now that people know about how to prescribe the drugs that will help women but it's you know women in the past were put in mental homes so you know they, they had to complete breakdowns they gave up their jobs some women were divorced many women committed suicide so this is a really misunderstood part of medicine and I really hope that all the work particularly people like Davina McCall with her channel 4 documentary all the work that's being done will make us sit down and think what is really going on am I going crazy? I mean, that's the thing we get on our Facebook posts the most from women is, am I going mad? I really feel awful today, overwhelmed, depressed, I can't breathe, that kind of thing. So it is changing, though, you know, there is a positive wave of information, there's a wave of 
menopause, perimenopause warriors out there. The mainstream press are covering it properly with the right facts now. So I think we're heading towards a good age. And I think um, millennials and uh, Gen Z will have a much better time of it. But yes, we if you are questioning what's going on in your head when you're in your midlife, then it could well be that. Mm. And thank you. I think it's so I, I don't think it can be stated enough. Uh, and of course, you do such wonderful things with your podcast in well, 13 million women at the moment well, are in the right in the age group in this country it's just some 51 percent of the population will go through it I, I just don't understand why gps only get 15 minutes training on it they get loads of training on rare diseases that don't affect as nowhere near as many people but it's women i mean now you know i think there is a slight patriarchy issue here um but i think it's really gathering pace now and I think we've got some really great supporters in the medical community who are helping yeah absolutely and you know it's not it's not just a you know it's not just an individual issue as you say it's it's also you know it's it's a feminist issue it's a workplace issue and you know it's an issue that has a knock-on effect on everyone around you you were saying that you know at the time when you were navigating that you were you know you're the mother of four you you know you're having the toddler toddler years the you know the teenage years all all these things um that you were navigating at once and I also think it's kind of interesting that at the moment you're speaking about Gen X, you know, the women who were navigating midlife, you know, you, you're coming from that time when the mental health conversation wasn't so strong. No. So even the language, <laughs> am I going mad? You know, I think that, you know, you're speaking Yeah, the to, language you know, is wrong. It's, you know, yeah. that's not the right language. That's the language of my generation. It's absolutely not the right language. It's just the most common phrase we hear from women and it really we shouldn't be saying things like the gen x we just um self-medicated i think you know i think we there was a big piece in the papers last week about how we're probably the most unhealthy midlife generation so far because you know we drank too much people smoked um you know we just had as much fun as possible as we could as well we went through the rave era we went through the 90s we did <laughs> you know we really burnt the candle at both ends and things like yoga and stuff like that right at the beginning were just not seen you know in my early 20s that would have been a ridiculous thing to do we had to get to the top of our career we had to build we were told we could have it all that was the kind of um, narrative around us and actually we felt we should take all the advantages because our mums had fought so hard for those advantages and we should power on through and have our families and that we should keep our the fact we were paying for childcare secret all of these kind of ridiculous narratives and and the, the language wrong we didn't have any sense of choice which I'm really hoping the generations I don't think we had sense of choice behind us um have and that we wouldn't have spoken about our mental health out loud or you know I mean we were still battling for proper maternity leaves over 10 weeks you know that kind of thing so there was a lot of priorities for us to talk about before we got to the point where we're saying actually this is not great for me mentally and I'm really hoping the new uh, workforce coming through is able to say you know I need time off because I'm not feeling right I need some help I need some support that kind of thing and as I say antidepressants may well work for people and I think you know there's been some great journalists out there talking about mental health in a brilliant brilliant way I mean I think Bryony Gordon has done an amazing job which has given people a whole set of language to use around this issue which is so helpful and useful. Mm. And that said, so we're speaking about the benefits of HRT and also the benefits of the wider coping strategies that you were discovering from the age of 45. Having recently published your book, Mum, What's Wrong With You? A Hundred Things Only Mothers of Teenage Girls Know, have you also been reflecting on 
that time perhaps in your life because you know you said earlier you left home at 16 I know you were working at national newspapers from the age of 21 so you know that sort of late teenage emerging adulthood stage do you looking back do you think that discovering these things earlier for yourself might have benefited you particularly when you were living such a fast-paced life in every sense of the word yeah I think they absolutely would because I think young women sometimes feel they don't belong in in corridors of power or in important places Um, and I think they sometimes feel they have to say yes to everything particularly around education and and working hard and I think if you have the capability of taking some alone time and thinking things through then you are able to say actually I don't want to do that perhaps I don't want that promotion perhaps I don't want that pay rise it won't make me happier it might make me more stressed which is not a great long-term goal I think there have been you know I don't regret anything in my career but I think I probably would have said no no to a lot of behavior around me or I would have just said uh, there are some things I can't cope with I'd rather not do that that's not part of who I am it makes me uncomfortable you know I think we're hearing a lot of actresses say that about things over the over the years now as well I think if I'd had that time to really think about what was going on and what I liked and what I didn't like and what I was good at and what I wasn't and what I perhaps wanted then probably I wouldn't have been so fast-paced but you know I enjoyed what I did and, and I absolutely all the decisions I take as my own and um you know, I had a lot of energy. So it was mm. kind of, you know, it wasn't for everybody. But I'm really glad when I hear my 18 year old daughter say things, I will hear her say, I don't want to do that on the phone, because it will be it's very stressful. I'm going to take a day out before I do. You know, she does a lot of she's um, doing a lot of work over the summer to earn money for some travel and university. And but she's not going to she's not working every day as I would have done. <laughs> she's mm. saying, you know, I'm going to take tomorrow off and then I'll work two shifts the next day. So she's really thinking about her mental health. And it's a conversation I hear her having with her friends all the time. And I'm just so glad they're having it because I think it really sets them up for a more a more productive but calmer future you know you when you say yes to everything you can't do it all at great quality so it's better I think to take a step back and think you know what what do I want about that and I'm was mentoring someone who was offered a really really big job and and felt that she should do it um, a lot more money would have changed her circumstances at home, but really didn't want to do it, <laughs> was offered another job that wasn't so much money, was a bit of a sideways step. But she, you know, which one was she going to look forward to going to uh, on a Monday? And actually the one, not the big job, it was the other job. And I thought, what a powerful decision to be able to make. She'd really taken time out on her own to think that through and, you know, to offer her, you know, I, I felt that if she'd continued doing the bigger stuff, she would have got ill. That would have been what would happen. She would have been ill in her mid thirties and had to take Take time out anyway so I, I'm really glad that I've been around long enough to see alone time it's really powerful I mean it's a bit boring alone time I, I'm not going to deny spending an hour doing stuff is a bit boring and, and sometimes a good hour swim is like this morning the last 15 minutes I was thinking oh, I'm a bit bored now so I had enough time on my own so but I think you have to kind of you have to fit it in somewhere even if it's just 10 minutes lying down I think that's just an amazing thing to do I like the lying down bit at the end of yoga more than I do the whole session so it's, that's you know what I think it benefits me most yeah I think I with that with the um the lying down bit um at the end I always feel like it's and maybe you're relating to this being in Cornwall at the moment being on holiday it takes those first few days to actually 
relax into yeah. it. So the reason that feels so great is because you've already practiced the relaxing. So then the actual relaxing comes. Well, I think alone time is a habit that you have to build up. So I feel, um, you know, I stepped out of a very busy job last year to finish. I knew something was going to give that, you know, I was editing a weekly. I had four children, two of whom were going through quite, you know, their late teenage. One was leaving home and I was writing a book and I was writing a weekly parenting column and I was doing a podcast. And somewhere in that mix, something was going to just ping apart and I probably would have got ill I think at, at that point but what I realized was once I stopped finished the book and now I'm not I'm writing another book but once you stop you then start to feel because your habit is to be manically busy the whole time you feel very guilty about taking moments for yourself so if you do if I do a yoga session online and I'm I'm lying on the floor for 10 minutes at the end I'm in my head I'm thinking surely I should be doing something a bit more productive if I'm in a class then I'll stay there but allowing giving yourself permission to do, be on your own <laughs> is and not be doing something or achieving something particularly for my generation is a terrible habit to get into so I'm really hoping that actually the habit should be what can I do that's really nice for me for the next 10 minutes today? Or what can I do that would be lovely though I'm not pleasing anybody else for 10 minutes? So I think that would be a really nice, better habit for me to have got into. <laughs> and I really think millennials and Gen Z coming through, hopefully will have that foremost in their mind that they'll achieve something and then think I'm going to take 20 minutes for myself here mm, and not yeah. feel guilty about it. With the guilt element, I mean, I've... You know, I've read in several places you've described yourself as an introvert, which really intrigues me, given that you also, you know, you sort of really own that you've always loved the social aspect of working mm. on a team and, you know, in this in this in the magazine world as well. And that that was something that you really thrived within. So how can how are both those things true for you? I'm a giant show off. I mean, that is one of the things <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm never not, I've never not said when I've done something well, I tell everybody about it. Um, <laughs> and which is, you know, probably quite annoying to some people. Um, I'm comfortable with it. But I come, I come from a really tiny village in the middle of nowhere. I went to a comprehensive school. I left at 16 because I got a job on uh, work experience on a local paper in Cornwall. Um, so I kind of had to learn to have a big personality. I had to be able to go to work with no qualifications not knowing anyone in the industry and not really having any sense of, have, of, of properly being there because it wasn't my right to be there I had no belonging um, in the industry I'd chosen in fact my careers teacher said you'll never make it because you don't know anybody and you have no exam results and you haven't been to university so helpful forget it yeah you're not gonna that's not gonna work when I said I want to edit a fashion magazine you know and I literally knew no one but I did you know that gullibility was actually quite helpful I think because I just sort of put myself forward for things but that's a skill I think you have to learn you know and if you talk to um, some of the people I trained with on I trained on the Wimbledon News with a really amazing group of just it was a perfect storm of, of really great journalists I could learn from I was incredibly shy so you know it was hysterical to send me to knock on someone's door to ask anything because I could barely say anything out loud and I would blush every time anyone spoke to me but I realized this was the problem <laughs> so the best thing to do really for me would be to kind of present a persona um that I took to work that would be great and would make it work and I would enjoy being and just get on with it really and so I think that's where the you know the in, being an introvert possibly comes from I don't I don't know if the word introvert is right it's just that I don't 
you know, I'm quite happy to step back in a group situation if somebody else wants to lead or do the whole, you know, I'm very attached to any teams I've worked with when I've wanted to lead rather than I don't really want to be in charge. I just want to lead. So I get the best ideas out of everybody. Um, and it's always been a team effort. I'm hoping I feel it has with my teams, but I don't feel I'm naturally that person to be in a room talking immediately, you know, listen to me. I know what I, I'm not, that's not me. And I'm not, I don't, I hate public speaking. I do it because I've learned that persona. You look in the mirror, Catelyn Moran taught me this actually when um, fairly on because we crossed paths very early in our careers because she started very young as well she said just look in the mirror and work out who you want to be in the morning and then take her out with you (laughs) during the day and that's a really good you know that's a really good you know who do I want to be I'm going to take her out with me and I'm just going to be her today and that's you know that's you know as long as you're being kind and you're hurting anyone I think that's a great you know you set your mind first thing that you're going to be that girl and you're going to be that girl wow I I think (laughs) I and I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> listening to this will be taking on that tip. I tell you what, though, Francesca, it really helps that I don't really care what people think. So if you if you are constantly hampered, and I hear this so much from young women, and it really upsets me to hear them talk about it. If you are hampered by constantly thinking, will someone like me? They're not going to like me. They're going to think this about me. They're going to think, I know, I don't really allow that. I've never really allowed that thinking to come into my head. I don't really mind. If you like me, that's fine. If you don't, that's your choice. It doesn't just no reflection on who I am. And I felt that all the way through my career, which might just be genetic. It might just be kind of solid parenting from my parents. I'm not, my persona is not affected by what people think of me. Um, unless I've done something I feel I should apologize for or, or seek forgiveness for. I just come out thinking, you know, I like who I am. So like me or don't like me. It's not my, it's, I mean, it's statistically impossible for everyone to like you. So once you know that you can, you can drop that as hassling you in the back of your head, I think. And does where does that come from is it a sense of identity because I suppose the the idea of people pleasing and the idea of wanting people to like you that's almost it puts your value quite reactively into how other people respond to you whereas yes I suppose I mean I try not to overthink things (laughs) I think a lot of overthinking goes on I think you know I was parented pretty confidently to just go and do my stuff on my own and get on with it. That was, you know, those were my decisions. And I think once you learn that quite young, then you are making decisions to, that, you know, that are kind and thoughtful that hopefully benefit you. But really, you can't do stuff based on what other people will think of you. That, that because it it would really it stops you evolving I think as a as a human if you're constantly worried what everyone else thinks you and it see it a lot and it's quite a common people pleasing it's quite a common female trait actually and Trish and I've covered it on the podcast many times because we hear about it from our listeners but it's if you can stop it and Emma Turrell actually who's a really brilliant um therapist and she does a lot with Elizabeth Day if she's really good on how to stop people pleasing if you can stop it I think it's really helpful for you on a day-to-day basis but I think you know if it's a long-term habit it's quite hard to reverse the thinking Hmm. and finally I wanted to ask you you have so many different roles and you are so many things to so many different people you're a mother of four you're a podcaster you're an author you've been an editor of some of the best magazines in the country when do you feel most like yourself oh that's a good one isn't it um 
I'm pretty, I think my family is the most important thing in, you know, I think everyone will say that, won't they? Your family is the most important thing in your life. So if you should be, you know, I have this love, I'm so incredibly lucky that I married someone that I've had simply no doubt that I married the right person all the way through. And I think once you have that sense that there's two of you on a journey you've got your children, you've got your family, that really is kind of, and you've got your health, that's the kind of luckiest thing. I think I'm most myself now at this stage of uh, my career where, where I'm in charge of me <laughs> and I'm not working for somebody else and delivering, you know, a profit line and all of that. So I think now is the most happiest I've been in my life, apart from obviously babies, birth of babies and things like that. But I think I'm myself most with my family and my husband, James. Thank you. I think that's, I, you know, I think that's, you know, despite, you know, all the amazing things you've achieved, I, I think that that's very grounding. And I think, it, you know, it, it takes, I guess it takes us all back to what does really matter. Well, none of that does really matter if you see, I mean, I think, you know, I was very lucky to have picked a career that I loved to go I loved every single day it wasn't really a job for me any of it and I feel a bit like that about podcasting and, and writing although writing is a bit more torturous than I thought it would be <laughs> but it's just it doesn't it really doesn't matter I think as you get to midlife you realize that it is quite fragile that tomorrow could be completely different you know you you have friends who are ill I've had friends with cancer who've passed away and I think you get to that point and think so really none of this you know none of this matters none of the you know job career thing you know money obviously because you, you need to be economically viable and look after your family and I've been lucky to been to have earned enough to be able to do that over the years but I don't come from money I've never you know and it, that's not my background so it none of it really really matters <laughs> so all that matters is the next 15 minutes that you've got during the day you know your day ahead is is joyous and that's the thing you have to kind of grasp it sounds so cheesy but I don't think you realize it until you start doing the death maths (laughs) you know you get to 15 you think oh hang on a minute I'm over halfway I've got this this and all these things I didn't do all these things I want to do and then you realize what you can torture yourself with that or you can just think you know today's going to be a really good day thank you so much Lorraine hey guys I really hope you're enjoying the show While this particular episode may have come to an end, the conversation is just beginning. Head over to alonement.com to hear more about Alonement and sign up to our free monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at alonementofficial. Oh, and remember that sharing is caring. So if you got something from this episode, why not share with a friend who you think might benefit from listening? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.